Hi, welcome to our Hot Rod Bible Study tonight. We're going to be in uh, the first book. We're going to start a new book tonight, Timothy. Um, we're going to see the first um, book of Timothy tonight. And so if you'd like to turn there, uh, we'll turn there and see what the Lord has for us tonight. So um, it's been amazing as we've been traveling through, you know, First and Second uh, Thessalonians is, was an amazing book, two books. And so um, I'm just so thankful every time we get done with the book. But before we get started tonight, um, let's ask the Lord to, to praise our time or bless our time together. So, Father God, we, we thank you, Lord. Um, we know, Father God, that you are here among us, Father. And so, Lord, um, we ask, Lord, that you would um, open up our hearts this evening, Father, that we um, can hear from you tonight, Lord. Um, that is our desire, Father. We have gathered um, here tonight, Lord, to hear uh, from nobody but you, Lord. And so, Lord, we ask that you would speak into our hearts, that your word tonight would come forth mightily, Father, um, and may we take it out um, and share it with others. We thank you, Lord, and we love you, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And so let me read uh, 1 Timothy, and then I'll go back and give you a little bit of background. So here, starting off in uh, verse 1, it says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God, our Savior, and the Lord Jesus Christ, our hope. To Timothy, a true son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God, our Father, and Jesus Christ, our Lord. As I urged you when I went into Macedonia, remain in Ephesus that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine, nor give heed to fables or endless genealogies, which cause disputes rather than godly edification, which is in the faith. Um, now the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience and a from and from sincere faith, from which some, having strayed, have turned aside to idle talk, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor the things which they affirm. But we know that the law is good if it's if it uses its lawful if you use it if one uses it lawfully. Sorry about that. Now, uh, knowing this that the law is made for a righteous person but for the lawless and insubordinate for the ungodly and for sinners for the unholy and profane for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers for manslayers for fornicators for sodomites for kidnappers for liars for perjurers and if there is any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine According to the, God, the glorious gospel of the, of, of the blessed God, which is commanded to my trust. And I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an isolate man, but I, obt I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly and in unbelief and the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief however for this reason I obtain mercy that in me Jesus Christ might show all long-suffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. 
Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, to God who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecy previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage a good warfare. Having faith and good conscience, which have, uh, which some have rejected concerning the faith, have suffered ship shipwreck, of whom are Hymenaeus and Alexander, who I delivered to Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. So there it is. It's uh, First Timothy. Um, some of the, a little bit of background I'd like to share um, with Timothy. Um, Timothy. Uh, the apostle um, he's writing this book um, to his protege and his protege is uh, Timothy we see that Timothy has been with him for quite some time now um, we were in first and second Thessalonians and they were written approximately uh, 51 52 AD um, here in um, first Timothy it's written 62 63 AD and so this is approximately 10 years after um, they've written. So we know that Paul has been with him for quite, or Timothy has been with Paul for quite some time now. And so this is the thing that's so amazing about uh, the book. Um, it's interesting, we started off with First and Second Thessalonians, and it was one of the earliest books uh, of, of Paul's writings. And then what's interesting is that Second uh, um, Timothy was actually written, they believe, in 67. Um, and this is the same year that they believe that he was martyred. Um, because of it was Caesar Nero that was uh, getting rid of the Christians in the town, so they believed that Caesar Nero had something to do with him being beheaded in 67. And so, Second Timothy is believed to be one of his last books um, that he writes. And so, there was quite some time, probably four or five years, in between him writing a First Timothy. And the reality is that uh, Titus is actually written um, approximately just a little bit after this. They say 63, maybe to 65. Um, that they wrote Titus. Um, these books are considered, um, they call them the pastoral books, um, and what makes them a little bit different is they're not written to the church, um, like in Thessalonians and uh, Philippians, they're written to a church. These are written to individuals, um, and this they're written to Timothy, his protege, and they're also written to uh, Titus, uh, and, we'll, and we'll see that, and so this is the reason why they call these the pastoral letters, um, and so, you know, it's interesting that I, I love that we go to a church um, you know, we go to the packing house. Some of us, I mean, I, maybe some of us just come here to church or some of us have other churches we go to. But I love that we go book by book, um, chapter upon chapter. You know, we, we go, you know, book by book. We just, we don't skip or leave anything out. Um, oftentimes, as I was studying for this, I often say that there's often churches that actually skip over First uh, and Second Timothy and Titus for those particular reasons. Because the letter is actually written to how a leader or a pastor or a whatever you want to call it, a deacon or somebody that's in leadership in the church, how are they to conduct themselves? And so this is very important for us to know that how the pastors and leadership in the church are how to conduct themselves. Uh, one of the things that's interesting is Paul is called the aged or experienced apostle. Um, he, they say he's approximately, they believe, anywhere between 55 and 60 years old. Um, and young Timothy, he is, um, his protege, is anywhere from 25 to 35 years old at this particular time. And so we see that his father, they say he was, his father was Greek. His mother was Jewish. Um, his mother's name was Eunice. Um, and we, and his, his grandmother, what's interesting enough, her name is Lois. 
And they're mentioned both here in Scripture. Um, they're, they're actually talk about their faith. And this comes from 2 Timothy 1.5. And we'll see that as we move ahead. Timothy, his name means uh, honoring God or honored by God. Um, they, they, uh, Lois and uh, Eunice, they uh, raised uh, Timothy to know, know Christ. Uh, it is believed, but it cannot be proved um, that they believe that maybe Eunice came to know Christ on Paul's first missionary journey um, from Acts 14. That she came and that's how that she came to Christ. Um, and so she poured that into young Timothy. And when young Timothy, when um, Paul was on his second missionary journey in Acts 16, um, he actually asked um, young Timothy to go along with him. It is believed that he is approximately 15 years old um, when Paul decides to take him with him. But he can see that as he has been spending time um, with his mother and his grandmother and they have been showing him uh, the, the gospel of Christ, that you can see that he has been brought up um, to know who Christ is. And so Paul takes him on his missionary trip. And we remember early in, in Acts 16, if you recall, that as soon as he, he takes him with him, uh, I can imagine what kind of protege this would be. But uh, the first thing that he does is he has him circumcised. Um, and we remember that this is right before in chapter 15 that Paul preached that circumcision was not necessary for you to be circumcised, for you to be for salvation. And so it's interesting to see that he had him here um, in chapter 16. He had him circumcised, but it wasn't, it was unto salvation, it said. And it said that he did this so he would be relatable to the Jews. His mother was Jewish, um, and, but his father was a Gentile. And so he wanted to make sure he was relatable. And so Paul, looking at, at, at Timothy, young Timothy, he saw potential that he could uh, go out and share the gospel. And so just some of the things that I'd like to, you know, that I'd like to share those. One of the things that Paul, what I loved about him, that he said in Philippians 2.20, that Timothy was like-minded. And, and this really reminded me of us here at the Hot Rod Bible Study, that oftentimes that I, when we used to work in the shop a lot, um, I love the fact that a lot of the guys have so much experience. We have welders, we have car builders, we have fabricators, we have people that are very knowledgeable about things, um, about automobiles, about cars. We love working on cars. But what I love about it is when we used to spend a lot of time in the shop, that a lot of times I think people used to come here and the reality is they used to come here to work on their cars. But as they interact with some of the people and they, they came to this Bible study and we interacted in the shop, some of them through that in their selfishness, they said, well, I'm only really going to go there because can, they can help me work on my car. But through that, they came, came to Christ. And, they came to, and I know for surely that they came to the love of Christ because as we spend time uh, with each other as believers, um, we definitely come uh, to know Christ. Uh, one of the last things I'll leave with you, um, Timothy is also mentioned in six of uh, Paul's opening of his letters. And so we can see that he had a love uh, for his protege, Timothy. Um, and so he's going to bring him up. And I mean, it's encouraging to think um, that I think that we should all look for opportunities to um, sh not only share Christ, but maybe share the love of some of the hobbies that we have uh, with the younger generation. And that would be a way that the Lord would open up doors so we can share Christ with them. All right. So we'll uh, we'll get into First uh, Timothy and we'll start off here in verse one. So it says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the commandment of God, our Savior and the Lord Jesus Christ, our hope. One of the things as, as Paul, he's writing to young uh, Timothy here in, in Ephesus. We're going to see that here in a little bit. But one of the things as he's um, talking to um, young Timothy is he wants to make sure that, that Timothy understands that this year, these are not his words. The, 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 he, these are not his words. Paul is trying to tell him that these are not his words. And this is the reason why he says it's by the commandment of God. Um, really quickly in, in Galatians um, chapter 1 verse 11 I'll just read it to you quickly. It says, But I make known to you, brethren, 
that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so Paul wanted Timothy to know that this uh, revelation that he had, that it came through Christ, and it was not his own idea. And this is the reason why he wanted him to know that. And so he talks there at the very last uh, of this uh, verse, and it says, And Christ, Jesus Christ, our hope. Uh, Colossians 1.27 says, To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of the mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so we see that the hope that Jesus Christ, um, if you've received Christ, that it, the hope that, that Jesus Christ, it dwells in us. That dwells in us. And oftentimes the Bible speaks about that, that we should always be ready to give an account for the hope that we have, um, that we hope that we have. And our hope, um, my hope is, is hope is the same as each and every one of you. Our hope is to be in, with Jesus. And we just talked about that before the study tonight, that we'll be home with Jesus um, and this is just being a, an amazing hope and a love that we have for Christ. So here in verse 2, it says, To Timothy, a true son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. So we see that um, a true son in the faith, he considered Timothy to be a true son in the faith. And, and, we, and one of the things that really stood out is that Timothy, as he um, came to know Christ through his uh, mother and his grandmother, um, the, one of the things that I can say is us as grandparents, we should constantly look for the opportunity to share Christ with our, with our grandchildren. Not only with our grandchildren, some of our, our children, even our adult children, we should always look for those opportunities to share Christ. Because this is one of the things that Paul, the Lord, put on his heart, that this Timothy would be a young protege and would be able to be used to further the gospel. Um, and so it's so important that we would share that. One of the last things I want to point out in this verse is, um, in, in Paul's other letters, as he wrote them to the church, he would always tell them grace and peace. He would, he would actually often ask for them peace and, and grace. That would be the things that he would ask. But here he added mercy. Um, and it's interesting because these, this letter, remember, they're written to individuals. Um, and I think as us as individuals, I think that we need the mercy of God, right? Mercy is not getting uh, what we deserve. And so oftentimes, even in ministry, maybe he was looking, I, I just, when I was reading this, I was thinking that maybe possibly uh, Paul was thinking that as he interacts with people, and, and many of us know that if some of us there, I know that there's some business owners here, people that have employees underneath them, it's very difficult at times um, to deal with people. Um, and so I think that's an oftentimes that we uh, cry out to God and said, Lord, give me mercy. Um, because sometimes it's very difficult when we go through things uh, with other people and stuff. So I think this is the reason why they added mercy here. So in verse 3, it says, As I urged you when I went into Macedonia, um, remain in Ephesus that you, that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine. And so this is one of the things that Paul is actually telling, is the reason why he has Timothy here um, in Ephesus, as he wants to make sure that there's no other gospel preached. He wants them to preach um, Christ crucified and, and, and nothing else. I mean, that's come from um, 1 Corinthians, um, I'm sorry, um, 1 Chronicles 2.2. 2, 2. And so these are the things that he wants to make sure that's being preached. And you can see that as Timothy is a young, young uh, pastor here, and he has a lot of responsibility one of the things that really jumped out at me is that he leaves Timothy with this responsibility. 
And the city of Ephesus, we remember that it has anywhere um, 250 to 300,000 is the population. Huge, huge city. It's a bustling city. Uh, one, you know, it would be equivalent today, they say approximately um, New York City. Um, they say Las Vegas and maybe um, TJ, Mexico, um, was the kind of city that you're in when you're in Ephesus. Um, we remember as we went through the book of Acts, we remember that um, the great uh, goddess Diana um, is from Ephesus and they had a shrine there. And if you remember, just really briefly, if you remember that when we were there reading, there was a silversmith named Demetrius. And this silversmith, he caused a huge riot. Uh, I believe it's from Acts 19. Um, he caused a huge riot there. And so we can see what kind of city it was. Um, she was called the goddess Artemis. Um, and so this is a port city. And you can just imagine what kind of things were going on in this city. And so this is the, the commission um, that Paul commissions young Timothy um, to go. And, I, and this is interesting to me because I oftentimes I think we know um, as the Old Testament, as Moses, we remember. And I'm sure that Timothy, they say he was very timid. And so I think that he, uh, he's, he's one of those guys that, you know, and oftentimes I think when God calls us in our lives to do things, Oftentimes, I think we're a lot like Moses. Not me, Lord. Not me, Lord. Send someone else. And and, and you know, and we know the story that he says, okay, I'm going to send Aaron, your brother. And he has. And so he said, yeah, maybe that's good. He has a little bit better speech. But did you notice that he always used, he always used Moses. That he, he brought him along kind of as a comfort when he ended up using Moses. And I think oftentimes the Lord is looking for us to, uh, you know, to allow him in to, that we can be used by him, a vessel to be used by him. So here in verse four, it says, um, nor give heed to fables or endless genealogy, which cause disputes rather than godly edification, which is in faith. Uh, one of the things, the fables and the endless genealogies, they're, they don't the, uh, hear that the commentaries don't know for surely what they're speaking of uh, directly. They think maybe they're talking about the Gnostics or they're talking maybe that they're trying to change them back to the law. And we're going to see something about the law here in a little bit. And so this is one of the things that he's charging him. We have false doctrine. And, and one of the things that really jumps out here is um, that it, it, um, it actually divides them. You see that the fables and genealogy which cause disputes. And this is one of the things I, I believe that today, that one of the things that causes a division um, is one of the things that causes division is that people, when they come and they teach a false gospel, that it causes division in the church as believers. And so we are to uh, stay um, with the true word of God and that we can be joined together in godly edification, which means that we would be joined and be edified, be uh, lifted up by the word of God. So here in verse five, it says, Now the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart and from a good conscience and from sincere faith. These are one of the things that I believe as we do, as we walk, and if we want people to know um, the true um, gospel of Christ, I, I think we should do it out of love. Um, oftentimes I've heard uh, pastors preach that they, when they talk about love, um, that we should have to be, we have to reflect love. Christ is love. And so when we want to share Christ and we want to make sure they're getting the true gospel, we need to share uh, love with them. It is so important that we share love with them. Um, and so this is what he's charging him here. He's charging him to make sure that we, the whole reason that we're trying to get people um, the gospel, the true gospel, is out of love. Um, and we remember what um, 1 Corinthians 13.3 says. It says, although I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body um, to be burned, but have not love, 
it profits me nothing. And so we're to know it is the love of Christ that we are to draw others. It is the love of Christ that will draw others to Christ. Um, it's just such a beautiful thing that we would see that. Um, some of the things that uh, are in also here in verse 5 of the pure heart, uh, it says without hypocrisy that we would have love with people and not just tell them that we care about them, that we would show them in our actions, that our actions would speak. Um, as we were talking about, um, you know, being a, an example to our children and our grandchildren, I, I believe that there is no greater example than the walk that we walk each and every day. And oftentimes I think as we walk in this Christian life, I, oftentimes I think that we think people are not watching. But there is people in our family. And, and interestingly enough, I think the people that are watching the closest are the people that are non-believers. Those are the people that are watching our lives closest. And, and as they see, as they walk, you know, interestingly, my mother-in-law, um, she recently, uh, December 19, she passed away. And, and as I was thinking about um, her and her upcoming funeral, I was thinking that, you know, in my life, that she was the one of the women, um, oftentimes that she led me to Christ, but not by what always what she said, is by the way she lived her life. She lived her life, you know, always honoring God, always looking for the good in all people. And always trying to, um, you know, forgive others, even though that sometimes there's people in her family, uh, her grandchildren, that then live a lifestyle that she necessarily agreed with. But a lot like Christ, she didn't shun them and, and close the door and say, I, I don't agree with the way you live. I don't want to talk to you. I don't know you anymore. No, she, she loved on them. She loved on them. And it's a beautiful thing. And I think that we as, as uh, parents, I mean, I think we have an opportunity to, to love on our children and love on our grandchildren. It's a beautiful thing. And so here in verse 6, it says, For which some, having strayed, have turned aside to idle talk. And so, you know, this idle talk that they speak about, that they oftentimes, when they are led astray, that they, are, um, they speak empty verbiage. Um, and this is, this is prevalent today. We see this today in the church. And, you know, if you go to a church that, um, that they preach the gospel and you are encouraged to bring your Bible, um, you, are, you do go to a good church. Because there's so many churches today that oftentimes a pastor, a minister, somebody will come up and preach the gospel and they're not preaching out of the word of God. They're actually telling you what they think that God is actually telling them. So we should all be encouraged. And even today, there's so many churches that are around in our city um, that many people, they go to church and you'll see them that they don't even carry a Bible. They don't even carry the word of God. This is the living word of God. This, this is alive. It's, it's sharper than a two-edged sword. And we should have it with us constantly. This is the living word of God. Um, and so when they talk about here about turning aside to idle talk, it reminded me of this, that there is churches today um, that pastors get up and speak, um, but are not actually preaching the word of God. So here in verse seven, it says, desiring to teach or desiring, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor the things which they affirm. And this is actually an ego problem that Paul was having with them in the church, that these uh, people were actually trying to teach them the law. And it says here that they actually didn't even know, uh, truthfully, what they were talking about of the law. And so oftentimes they say that this led to where people were coming and saying, okay, if I'm going to follow the law unto salvation, and they had questions, is, am I allowed to do this? Am I allowed to do that? These people that were preaching this law didn't even actually know exactly. And so what they would do is they said that they would either babble, they would talk in circles to not because they didn't know how to answer their question. And the second thing they would do, they would just stay silent and not say anything at all. 
And so these people were being led away by Christ because they were, these teachers were, had an ego problem. They wanted to be respected as teachers and they were teaching the law. And this is what they were doing. One of the things I wanted to share with you tonight um, is like when we start to talk here about the law, and we're going to be talking the next couple of verses about the law, is, you know, when we think about the law, I think today that we think about the law, and if you've come to Christ, and many of us, if we've been walking with Christ for a long time, we seem to think, yeah, yeah, the law, I'm, I'm familiar with the law, but I'm not really concerned about it anymore because I'm saved by grace. And if you're here tonight and that's, your, that's in your heart that you feel that you're saved by, or you know that you're saved by grace, it's a beautiful thing. But one of the things that I thought was interesting, um, I was reading through it, something, and, and it came to me that there was a story in there that actually talked about that the law is a lot like a standard transmission. That we, as we, some of you guys have come from the era when the clutches were so hard and those standard transmission, you're constantly upshifting and you're constantly downshifting this, this gears all the time. And you're always, you know, making sure that you, and some of the clutches before they had hydraulic clutches in some of those trucks, they were tough. And I remember that your, your thigh would get so sore from trying to push in the clutch. And this is what the law is like. And the grace of God is like the automatic transmission. It's all been done for us as we, we accept Christ, the automatic transmission that we interact with on a daily basis. It is the grace of God. It's automatic. It's already been done. We go through life, and as we accept Christ, if we are under the law, it's going to be we're going to be shifting and actually going up and down the hills trying to figure out what gear we're in. But if we give our lives to Christ, I'm not saying I'm not selling a, a gospel that says that this is going to be easy because of this automatic transmission. But we will for unto salvation. We will have the grace of God, the grace of God automatically that he sent his son to die on a cross that will be done already done for us. Um, I, I just love that when I when I see that it, it, it uh, just a beautiful thing to see. So here in verse 8, it says, But we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully. And so Paul is not saying that the law is not good. Um, he's actually talking about Romans seven twelve. It says, Therefore the law is holy, and the commandment is holy, and just, and good. And so he's not saying that the law is not good, but it needs to be known how to be used, the law. And this in the, in the next very next verse, he is going to clarify how is it to be used. So here in verse 9, it says, Knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous person, but for the lawless and insubordinate, for the ungodly and for sinners, for the unholy and the profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers. And so it's interesting to see that he says the law is not for the righteous person. The law is not here for the righteous person. It is for the sinner. Interestingly enough, they point out that the, the, actually the law is a mirror of not how we see ourselves. The law is a mirror of how God sees us. This is a mirror that what the way God sees us when we're under the law. But we need to remember what Isaiah 64, 6 says. It says, our righteousness are like filthy rags. And these filthy rags, I think I can share this with you tonight. I, I quoted this a, a couple of Bible studies ago. Um, are the filthy rags in Isaiah that they're speaking of here are minstrel rags that they're speaking of. This is what our righteousness is. We have no righteousness. You know, when, when God looks, when we accept Christ, God looks down from heaven and he looks down on us. He doesn't see, he doesn't see Mike. He sees me. He sees you as believers. He sees us clothed in the righteousness of Christ. 
We have no righteousness. We, we have none. We've all been, if we've accepted Christ, he is, he's given us that righteousness. And so um, we are to accept that righteousness that he pours um, so beautifully on us. Here in verse 10, it says, For fornicators, for sodomites, for kidnappers, for liars, for perjurers, and if there is any other that are, is contrary to sound doctrine. You see, through the Holy Spirit, as we point out the law here, uh, I love this at first read. If you don't see it, um, I, I hope you see it here. I'm going to point out some of the things. Actually, what the Holy Spirit is um, put on Paul's heart to hear as he mentioned these things is he's actually listing here five of the Ten Commandments. And we'll go over them. And there, um, if you go back to verse 9, he starts off with murderers or fathers of fathers and murderers of mothers. Um, this is um, commandment number five. Right. And it says, um, honor thy mother and thy father. Um, this commandment number five. And in the very next one, it says for manslayers. Right. This is commandment number six. Thou shall not murder. And so we, it, as we continue the, uh, the list here, it says for fornicators, um, fornicators for sodomites. Um, this is uh, commandment number seven. Um, it says um, thou shall not commit adultery. These are sins that are sexual in nature. Um, one of the things that's interesting to us, uh, sodomites, um, as we go through the Bible, um, know that the word sodomite actually came um, from Sodom, uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. And this is where the word came from, the sexual sin. Um, that We have a word today that actually comes from a Bible textbook. The sexual sin that was going on in that city that it's pointed out here that we have a word called sodomites and it comes from Sodom. I just thought it was interesting that that word comes from there. The next one is uh, for kidnappers. This is commandment number eight, thou shalt not steal. Um, and for liars and perjurers, um, we sh thou shalt not bear false witness. Um, and he wanted to make sure, and he pointed these things out, and if there is any other that is contrary to sound doctrine. And so when you see this list and you think about all these commandments, and I think oftentimes um, when they, they, they heard about the Ten Commandments, I oftentimes I think that people have come to the, the realization that there's no way if I have to and, and know this tonight if one if you get anything out of this study tonight know tonight that we cannot earn our way we cannot earn our salvation as we look at these lists as I go down this list and I don't even have to go very far if I look at the first commandment I look at myself and I say I'm guilty second commandment guilty when we start getting to the last five here when you know and when you see like when you get to like you know we think we think we get to number six thou shall not murder and we say oh well, we're not murderers but the Bible says very clearly, if I've looked at a brother or I looked at another person with hatred, that I've committed murder in my heart. If I've looked at another woman with lust, that I've actually committed adultery. And so these lists, as you see them, that we are guilty. And so we're thankful to not to be under the law. But many people, they, they count on the law and think that they can earn their way. But there is no way. Many people come and say no way. And this is the reason why. Um, this is here because when they say no way, Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so but, it's so important. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Chris. I, I think it's interesting because, you know, here, here we are in the, at the beginning of the gospel. Yes. The beginning of the good news, which, and, and the word grace and peace and mercy in this case. Yes. You know, Paul starts that. The grace has to come first. Yes. And then comes the peace, the mercy and the peace. Peace, yes. Right? We, and the peace is we, we have been 
uh, peace has been made between us and God. Yes, amen. At which it didn't exist. Mm -hmm. Well, they didn't know this. They no. didn't know the concept. And they didn't see themselves as sinners. Sure. And so it's so important when Paul is talking here to Timothy, saying, listen, you've got to convince these people that they're not just like everybody else, you right. know, uh, that they have sin in their hearts. Yes. And these things are wrong, you yes. know. And, and uh, yeah, it's, you're right. It's, it's very important. Go ahead, Joseph. Um, so what, what I'm hearing is that we can't, we can't receive mercy in the absence of grace. Mm. In the absence of grace, I, I'm, I'm saying you can, I think we can still receive mercy because oftentimes as I look back on, on lives and not only my own life, but in, but in other lives that we can still receive mercy because I think God pours down mercy uh, on us even when we weren't believers. When we didn't That's follow just prayer. a question that I, yes, I yes. wrote down. Yes, can, no, no, yeah. Can you receive I think you can. Uh, yes, I believe you can. Yes, I believe so. They're so closely related to yeah. two words. Yes, I, I, know. Really I know. Yes. You know, they're almost synonymous um, with, with this only a slight difference. Yes. Which comes first, the chicken or the egg? <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, yeah, they're symbiotic. They're sort of symbiotic. Yes, absolutely. No, but I, I love that. And I love the way that Paul um, is trying to point out so much of the law. Because I think the reason why is many of these people are Jewish that he's speaking to. And so they're trying to, like you said, that we know that the Jewish law is as long as I, the first five books of Moses, then I, I have my key. I have my, my, my ticket in my hand. But he's saying that you don't have to do those things. You can accept the grace of God. And he's trying to point it out here. And it's interesting that he does this at such a young Timothy. And Timothy is actually sharing. He's putting this responsibility on Timothy. Um, as, as And what's interesting, what I didn't mention is... Uh, many people think that the reason why he's using Timothy for this is because he's in prison. There's a short time that they believe that Paul is out of prison, and they believe that this is where he writes Titus and he writes First Timothy. And so they, they believe that he is not in prison. Uh, by the time he writes Second Timothy, he will be imprisoned, um, and then we know that he will be martyred for his faith and uh, he'll be beheaded. And so interesting. Um, some some if people you're, ask if you're following the the, the law under, under the spirit. It, sh it should bring you joy. It should bring you joy? It should bring you joy. The law under the spirit. Okay? The law under the spirit. Is that the spirit of God? Yes. Yes? Yeah. Okay. Yes. It, it brings you joy? Yes. But it, like you said, though, I think we're pointing out that it won't bring salvation. Right. Yes. Salvation. But it, it can bring you joy, yes. Yeah, or it can bring you happiness, yes. But joy is like that eternal, right? Eternal? Okay, um, good. I, I love the comments. It's good. So here in verse 11, it says, um, According to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. And so we see that uh, Paul is uh, pointing out that the uh, gospel has been committed to him, um, the gospel of mercy, grace, and hope. And he's just... Uh, thankful for this glorious gospel and i don't know about you and me but i'm i'm thankful for this glorious gospel so here in verse 12 it says and i thank christ jesus our lord who has enabled me because he counted me faithful putting me into the ministry see, i i love here that uh, after speaking of the law that you see the first thing that really jumps out to paul is that he's thankful that the lord is even using him in ministry and oftentimes, I, I think there's many of us that, um, like you said, though, that the Lord would use us for anything, um, especially um, some of you have know, like some of our people that have been in walking uh, with the Lord, 
and some of us haven't had that great of backgrounds. Um, but it's the Lord will use anyone, um, and we see that here. And I think this is what uh, Paul is pointing out to, that he is actually being used by God. And so he becomes thankful for his, his love and his grace here. So in verse 13, it says, Although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an isolate man, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly and in, an, in unbelief. And you see that, that Paul is pointing out the mercy, as Chris said a little a few minutes ago, the mercy of God. And if when you come to understand mercy is not getting what you deserve. And so Paul is pointing this out, that he points out the list of these things that, that um, we, he points out these things here. He says uh, a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an, an isolate man. Uh, uh, a, a blasphemer is words, um, a persecutor. Um, this is inflicting um, harm um, and, and, and on others. And here, when it says um, the last thing is the isolate man, this is actually abuse or cruelty to others. And so even after he's saying, I was formerly these things, that I obtained mercy through our Lord Jesus Christ. And by the way, blasphemy was punishable by death. By death, often by absolutely. Stoning. By stoning, yes, so absolutely. No, no small sin. Yes, you pointed out a, you know, you pointed out something about, you know, the thing that um, that we talk about Timothy and as he's been walking with Paul. Um, they believe that he was with Paul uh, when Paul was stoned, um, and, and many uh, Bible commentators, many people, uh, you know, in the in the faith believe that Paul actually might have died, um, and that Paul was with him, uh, or Timothy was with him. And when he saw that he shook these rocks off and he got up and he went back and preached the gospel, you can imagine that Timothy was moved by what he saw um, in, in Paul. And so, um, you know, these are just some of the things, like he said, though, it was punishable. Uh, like he said, the blasphemy was punishable um, by death. And so, yes, he, he's, he's seeing these things poured out before him. Um, here in verse 14, it says, And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. Just once again, pointing out the abundant love. It says where Paul's sin abound, God's um, grace abound much more. That's Romans 5.20. It's God's grace abound more. Um, and so oftentimes when uh, we sin and we think we're in deep sin, always remember that God's grace abounds much more. Yes, God bless you. Verse 15 says, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. And so I, I think one of the things, that we'll get into this a little bit, um, but we know that he's pointing out, Paul is pointing out that Jesus Christ came to save sinners. Um, very important. Um, John 3.17, I think we all know John 3.16, but John 3.17, I believe, is just as powerful. It says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And so we see that Christ came for sinners, this is the reason why he came. What I love here at the end of this verse, it says he came to save sinners. And Paul points it out here. He says, of whom I am chief. He's saying that currently he is chief. He didn't put it in, I was the chief. He says, I am. I am currently. I am chief. I think in our, in our uh, vocabulary, when we see this, we think uh, chief, meaning that he was the greatest sinner's. But what he's actually pointing to, and we're going to see this in the next verse, what he's pointing out to is, I was the first. Um, and, and we're going to see that this is going to be kind of a foreshadowing of what he sees 
of what will come with the Jewish nation, that he was going to be the first Jewish person that actually came through, through uh, Judaism and he came as being Jewish and come and he's going to be the first to accept Christ and recognize who our Lord and Savior and the Messiah, right? The anointed one, Jesus Christ is. And this is going to be a foreshadowing of seeing that what is going to come to the, uh, the Jewish people at the end, that they were all going to come to recognize and recognize who Christ is as the Messiah. And this is kind of the foreshadowing. When he says that I'm chief, I think in our language, it come, in English, it looks like, well, he was the greatest sinner. But he's actually pointing out, no, no, I was the first that was converted or changed. And it's really cool how it, it's Paul is, he's discipling Timothy. Yes. And he's telling them very simply what the gospel is. And, and here's, here's the order of how you present it. Mm -hmm. you, you tell the, you, you see, we don't walk around every day thinking we're sinners. And they didn't especially. Yes. But when they start hearing that these, that God says these things are sin. Most of us say, yeah, I am a sinner. Mm -hmm. You know, we, inside, we might not admit it publicly, but we know. Yes. You know, and uh, so, but at the same time, when you're telling somebody they're a sinner, you don't ever want them to think that I'm holy and no, you're not. That's you right. Know? You humble yourself and say, and by the way, I'm chief of sinners. That's here, right. Like Paul did. That's right. Yeah, that's the gospel. That's that is the, the way gospel. It, and then you say, that's a problem. That's a problem for me and you. Yes. But Christ. That's right. And, yes. And yeah. Paul has said this in multiple letters, you know, in, in you know, like Romans specifically. In other words, hey, you know, we're all guilty of something. And, you know, the wages of sin is basically death. Yes. And, and only through God's mercy uh, and his grace are, you know, we forgiven. And we don't have to suffer the consequences of that sin. And that's where the mercy comes that's in. That's mercy comes you, in. This is what you deserve. Yes. But because I died on the cross, uh, I can give you mercy. And yes. no one else can give you mercy. That's right. Amen. Amen. It is. And, and I think that as Paul is pointing out here very clearly, that he is becoming the example. He's like the exhibit A. Like, you know, I was all of these things, but there's hope for you. Because many people, I'm sure, that are sitting around him and say, well, I didn't go persecuting Christians. I didn't go around doing this, and I didn't do this. I wasn't half as bad as Paul, so there must be hope for me. And I think we look at this, and we look at Paul, and I think that's why we can relate to him so well. It's like we can say, hey, there, that means that there's hope for me. And that's, that's what the gospel is. There's hope for each and every one of us. And here in verse 16, it says, However, for this reason I obtain mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show all longsuffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe uh, on him for everlasting life. And so like he says here, he is the pattern. He's saying, I'm the pattern that, that many people, uh, that those who are going to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ uh, and for eternal life. And so he's saying, if I can, if you can actually come through me, that I, if the Lord can save me, that he can save anybody. So he actually became, Paul is saying that I am exhibit A, um, would, would be what would be done um, as I talked about earlier the nation of Israel um, when the deliverer comes to Zion and that comes from uh, Romans eleven twenty six. 26 um, if you share that it's like you said though he's pointing out that it's a foreshadowing of the other Jewish uh, nation that would be saved Israel would be saved um, later on um, and so we'll see that um, uh, one day the, the Bible says that um, that Israel will come to know that Jesus is the Messiah that is the Messiah there's a, new, there's a new university in Israel now that 
is teaching that, and that's a big movement. Big movement, yes. And they're giving out um, new New Testaments to so many people that are yes converted. Yes. Wow. It's amazing, huh? It's amazing. And like you said, though, it's crazy uh, when you think about that. Um, I know some of you here have gone to Israel, but it's interesting that, that when you see Jewish people in Israel to, to think that, you know, when we're there, we're, you know, as believers of Christ, if walking in Christ, we're in awe of the places we can actually see, uh, you know, where, where the Sermon on the Mount and we can actually go to the Beatitudes and we can go to these places and Mount Hermon and all these places we see. And we're just in awe of the Bible as it comes alive. And they walk around like, yeah, but we don't really believe that he was the Messiah. It's like, how can you not believe he's the Messiah? He is the Messiah. He is the anointed one. Go ahead, Chris. I love the, the word long-suffering. Long yes. In the Greek yes. Often translated uh, patience. Patience, you know? yes. And the, the concept that Jesus, when we come to him and we begin to understand he's, he's, he's patient with us. He doesn't expect us to, like, <clears throat> be you know, to attain um, some instant yes. holiness, you know, and we still struggle day yes. by day. Yes. Yeah. One of the things, like, you know, when you were mentioning that, that was one of the things as I'm looking back on my mother-in-law's life was one of the things that I said that she actually didn't shun her, her, her grandchildren or some of her children that were living a lifestyle. She, she embraced them and still loved them. She didn't approve of their lifestyle, but she still loved on them. And, and that's like you said, though, that's what led me to Christ is because I could see that, you know, this, this must be God because they can still love you even though they don't agree. And the rest of the world was saying, no, if I don't agree, then I, you don't, don't come around here. Don't, don't, I, don't want to be, I don't want you to be around. You're not part of our family. You don't want those things. But I can see that she loved them. And through that, Many of us have been converted and come to know Christ. And, and that's exactly what you're saying. It's like, yeah, yeah. yes, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, patience. So here in uh, verse 17, it says, Now um, to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, to God whom alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. So one of the things that uh, really um, jumped out here on this particular verse, when he points out here, uh, king eternal, um, we, we, we believe it's Jesus that he's speaking about, the eternal king. He was considered the, the king of king and lord of lords from Revelation 19, uh, 16. Um, when he calls him here uh, invisible, um, we know that Jesus was visible to us. He came in the human flesh or in, in the body of, of, of human. And so we see that uh, we believe that he's talking about God. But I love what one commentator wrote. He wrote, um, not distinguishing which person of the Godhead um, this is might serve as an indication of their absolute equality and, and I think it's the reason why I point this out is because as we're talking about false, false gospel and false um, you know fables and things that there is churches today that are preaching this exactly that they do believe that Jesus was a good man and they do believe that he was a you know a noble person but they don't believe that he's an incarnated God and this is where we need to be aware as believers in Christ we need to know that no Jesus Christ is the incarnated God. He is God in the flesh, right? Emmanuel, right? God with us. It's so important that they are, we are there on the same playing field. If Jesus wasn't just a, a noble, a good man, because this God, as he sent his son, died for our sins, that he opened up the gateway for us to be allowed eternal life. And so it's important that we see that. Here in verse 18, it says, This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, According to the prophecy previously made concerning you, that by them 
you may wage a good warfare. And, and I love what it, it starts off the verse there by saying a good fight. And what Paul is telling Timothy, he's telling him that he had previously received prophecy concerning him that he would be a man of God. And so he's saying when the going gets tough, remember this and fight the good fight. And I think as many of us, as um, life is oftentimes, remember what Jesus said. He said, in this life, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And so this is not a gospel. Jesus Christ and the gospel of Christ is not a prosperity gospel. It's not saying if you accept Christ that your life will be easy and that you won't have any problems. No, know that the, the spiritual attack is real. And many things that it says, the Bible says that the uh, the rain falls on, on the good and the wicked. It falls on both of us. The sun shines on both of us. And so um, God, but God is with us. This is the difference. We have that hope, that peace, that when we are in the storm, that remember that Jesus is in the boat with us. He's in the boat with us, always. So here in verse 19, it says, having faith and good conscience with some uh, having rejected concerning the faith, having suffered shipwreck. And so what Paul is pointing out here is there's some that had faith, they had good conscience, but they rejected and they rejected the word. And this is how it says that they were shipwrecked. I love uh, what one commentator said about being shipwrecked. He said that there's people that often had everything they, they needed with them. They believed in Christ, and then they started listening to fables, or maybe they fell into sin. And what they actually did is they were on a ship, and it would be like a, a person on a ship would take their compass and throw it overboard and say, I no longer need it anymore. And then they wonder why their lives are shipwrecked. And we know that we are to stay in the Word of God. Remember also, too, that this book, right, it says, Sin will keep you from this book. But this book will keep you from sin. And these are the things that we are to remember and to know that they'll keep us from being shipwrecked. The word of God, the living word of God. Here uh, uh, we'll close tonight in verse 20. It says, of whom are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I delivered to Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. And so these were people that uh, this uh, Hermenius and Alexander were men that were, Paul is saying that they were uh, spreading false gospel blasphemy in the church. And so it says when he delivered them to Satan, they were excommunicated out. But remember, we studied last week that when anybody was excommunicated or they were uh, put out of the church because they were drawing others to their false gospel, it wasn't to, to, uh, you know, to say, hey, we no longer love you. It was to draw them back to Christ. It was to draw them back to the Lord. And I mean, many times when we see people and uh, people that are maybe not believers or maybe people that are family and friends that are not walking with Christ, um, like you said, though, I don't think that, that we should shun them and say we no longer want to see them in life. Um, we don't have to agree with their lifestyles, but we should look for those opportunities to share Christ with them. I think it's so important. Amen? Amen. 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 We'll close tonight. So, Father God, we, we thank you, Lord, for your word. Um, we thank you, um, for these men who've gathered here tonight, Lord, we thank you for all the people who are online. Um, Lord, we, we ask, Lord, that as many uh, people have come here and are concerned about um, COVID-19, Lord, we, we pray that the, um, the distribution of the vaccine would go out, Lord, um, that we would be comforted knowing, Lord, that uh, this vaccine, but Lord, before we put so much trust and so much hope in this vaccine, Lord, my prayer tonight, Lord, that many people would come to know um, the Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ, that no matter what goes on here on earth, Lord, that if we will accept you, Lord,
that you will take us and you are preparing a place for each and every one of us that where you are, you may be also. So we thank you, Lord. We love you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Mike. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you.